This episode of the TCF World podcast was recorded in Baghdad just before the outbreak of demonstrations in late September. Samia Kulab from the Iraq Oil Report discussed Iraq's oil infrastructure with me. And while Iraq's political crises seem to wax and wane over the years, one constant is Iraq's oil wealth and burgeoning oil industry, which belie the country's importance, drive its corruption, and are one of the most important factors in attracting the attention of its neighbors. Welcome to the TCF World Podcast. I'm Thanasi Kambanis. I'm in Baghdad with Samia Kulab, the senior correspondent for the Iraq Oil Report. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about Iraqi oil today, and this conversation is going to be in three parts. In the beginning, first section, we're going to have an overview of the Iraqi energy sector. In the second section, we're going to talk about, uh, what did we decide we're going to talk about? Uh, I think you said we're going to talk about um, oh. the American company's investment in the, the oil American sector. American role in the Iraqi energy sector, yeah. And in the third section, we're going to talk about the intersection Between of policy and... Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're, so we're set. Um, yeah. We've got a roadmap. Uh, Sami, I'm really glad we could do this. And uh, we're here on a nice barricaded street in, in uh, Baghdad. And, uh, and we just saw each other at a conference that was entitled Baghdad is recovering or no, Iraq is recovering. That's right. So uh, let's, uh, let's hear about Iraqi oil. And this is people always talk, especially in, in the U S about the war in Iraq is about the oil. Iraq is sort of synonymous with oil. And yet they don't really seem to have any sense of what, what that entails. Yeah. So, so give us, give us a little, you know, yeah. high altitude tour. So it. everyone knows that the oil sector is extremely important in Iraq. It's the primary source of state revenue. Um, we're talking 85 to 90%. Um, and diversifying the economy has been extremely difficult because the, the reliance on oil is so strong. Um, and if prices are high, the, the, you know, impetus, um, within the government to diversify, you know, is suddenly not as not as strong. Um, so it remains and will remain a very important part of the economy. Um, the lion's share of production in Iraq comes from the south, uh, particularly in Basra, Dikar, and Misan. But really, when we're talking about, um, you know, where does where is the majority of Iraq's oil produced? It's in Basra, the province in the south. Um, there's a little bit that's produced in the north in Kirkuk, but that is producing way below capacity because of a myriad of reasons. And, and give give us a sense of scale. I mean, how how big is this? Uh, is is the oil production in this country, and how does that compare to the other? leading world oil producers? According to Iraq Oil Report's analysis, in August, um, Iraq reached record levels of production with 5 million barrels a day. That that includes Kurdistan as well, um, which operates independently, and that's a different um, issue, source of great tension, <laughs> which I can get into later. Um, so it, 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 recently, Iraq has been producing lower than its uh, capability because of o the OPEC benchmark. Um, but Iraq is definitely able to produce 5 million barrels a day at this point and more. Um, there are several factors that kind of inhibit Iraq from reaching this capacity, um, including, you know, export bottlenecks in the south. Um, so where does that put it in the, in among world producers? Uh, it's the second largest, uh, OPEC producing country. 
um, and within the world, I'm not actually sure on the it, you know, it's in big, the top ten, the, but not the non the, the non OPEC major producers being U.S. Russia. Yeah, that's right. So it's the second largest OPEC producer after Saudi Arabia. What is the theoretical maximum capacity for Iraqi? daily oil production. I remember during the invasion of Iraq when when America was planning to pay for the occupation with oil revenues, people were throwing around like 10, 10 million barrels per day. And back then it was like two or, or less or one. Right, right. No, I mean, the, the capacity is, is still, if, if everything were working as efficiently as possible, if all the technologies were... Um, uh, you know, up to par. If the infrastructure didn't have issues, um, then then certainly I think you know, in in theory. Um, but those issues are still there. Those issues will hamper Iraq's ability to reach that potential. Um, so you know, the the main issues that I've seen um, from speaking to officials and IOCs is um, international oil, oil companies. companies. That's correct. <laughs> There's a lot of lingo. We, in, we poli- Political junkies don't know the, the terminology. <laughs> there's a there yeah there's like a, it's like a it's like a whole language covering oil. Um, yeah, international oil companies. You know they the 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 bottlenecks in the south in Basra are is is one of the major issues that's kind of hindering Iraq from reaching its full uh, potential. In is this terms a bottleneck in shipping or a bottleneck in some other part of the? Oil in the plant? infrastructure itself. So the pipelines, for example, um, you know onshore to these offshore terminals. Are are old and if if there's a lot of pressure they start leaking um you know there's also infrastructure that remains vulnerable to bad weather so if, the, if there's bad weather then the tugboats can't get to the terminals or or you know whatever um so that that creates stoppages um and then there's the other issue of uh water supply for injection to create pressure, especially in older fields, um, so they can continue, you know, meeting their production targets, which increase. Um, So for some of the major oil fields in the south right now, um, the issue is where will that water come from? Um, And there are several potential projects. Um, There's actually one particular project, but that's sort of been the subject of negotiations for a long time. And we see this in, uh, in in the sector with big mega like infrastructure projects that cost billions and billions of dollars that they're, they're often you know stuck in the negotiating table they're often stuck at you know the the state and these international oil companies trying to agree on certain commercial terms um so that is another factor you know as to why we we haven't really seen a lot of movement in like rehabilitating or re- or replacing this aging infrastructure and that's a, that's a fairly big problem actually in our oil sector and what about uh, new exploration or new fields? So there was a fifth bidding round um, and that's basically how the oil ministry auctions off fields to different companies. Um, there was one just before the election last year um, and, and this highlights some of the bureaucratic issues. Well, we'll just rewind Sorry. because this is like oil for dummies. <laughs> um, is, are there a lot of known but unexploited oil fields? There are exploration blocks, absolutely. Yeah, that 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 don't that aren't um, you know are assigned to particular oil companies at this point. That so the it's ministry like they is know interested. there's oil under the ground, and they just have to. Well, it uh, depends. Figure out how to. It depends. I don't know the level of studies that have been done in particular blocks, but there's a a suspicion that there might be. The first step for the company would would be like seismic to actually look and see what what are the recoverables. The latest attempt by the ministry to auction off these blocks happened last year. However, you know. 
one of the main issues that I've come across covering oil in Iraq is the the the, the bureaucracy, del- the delays in getting these contracts. Even if even if a certain block or a field has been, you know, a company has has wanted in a bid, um, actually signing those contracts, getting it through the different parties, getting the final stamp of approval. You know, there's a lot of different um, hurdles that come in the way. So that that's that sort of um, slowed down the process of exploring uh, new potentials. And what's the the lay of the land? I mean, in, in Saudi Arabia, we have this one state-controlled, you know, giant company, Saudi Aramco, that runs everything. Um, and even though it has lots of foreign expertise and, mm-hmm. and, and money in it, it's, you know, one state company. Uh, is Iraq more Wild West? Is there a, a, a state oil company and foreign major foreign companies that have responsibilities for major aspects of, of production here? There are several state oil companies, but they're divided by, re, by, uh, by region. So there's in the south, there's in the middle, there's in the north. Okay. Um, and, but they're all, the policy is all directed by the oil ministry. So it's fairly centralized. Um, but the IOC, the International Oil Companies, deal... Okay, now that you introduced us to the acronym, we can go with IOCs. <laughs> I won't be thinking International Olympic Committee, which is my, <laughs> my, was my first... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so they, you know, it, 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 it's important for them to have a, a good relationship with the director general of these state oil companies. So the, uh, sorry, the, yeah, these state oil companies. So, in you know, it's important for... Um, international oil companies in Basra to have a good relationship with the director general because often they're taking their grievances to to him, if not him, then the oil minister, um, you know, and then there's sort of different levels to get certain contracts signed, certain things pushed through. It sounds like opportunities for corruption rather than efficient management to have these multiple oil companies and a minister on top instead of a sort of single structure. Allegations of corruptions are, are, are rampant in, in, in Iraq, and not just in the oil sector and basically any any ministry. But yes, of course you hear that. You, you Of course you hear MPs on television, you know, accusing DGs. Of, we saw that a lot actually with this particular administration. And that's caused, um, you know, a lot of delays. A lot of, I think, the current oil minister is very much... Um, methodical and wants to review everything, especially everything his predecessor had, you know, kind of pushed through to the the end stage. Um, he sort of started again from scratch, I think, to avoid these allegations so, of corruption. Yeah, a year, a year ago, I think you reported mm-hmm. um, that a lot of these major, including the natural gas flare capture contract, but I'm not sure if that's right, but a lot of major contracts were were put on ice when the new government came in. Yeah, and I think that was very much, um, you know, an initiative of the oil minister who, from what I've seen, I mean, and some, you know, it's not, obviously if you're an oil company and you're waiting for something to get signed so you can, you know, get to work, it's not the best scenario for them. But I think um, whenever there's a new administration, they they want to make sure that they are, um, there are no surprises, that they understand exactly what they're agreeing to. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what, that, that's sort of the, the mentality of the current minister. Um, and, and if there are, there, if there are elements that disagree, for example, you know, the, the board of Supreme audit, um, might have disagreements with the fifth bidding round contracts that's caused, um, the, the minister to, to kind of, look it over to kind to for, um, further delays in other words further delays but also i think to make sure everyone's on the same page as we wrap up our 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 30,000 foot tour um 
is is uh it's right is it right that the country lacks its own refining capacity to yeah. um and also that it wastes all the natural gas that comes out of the ground along with the oil by by burning the associated it off. gas um it doesn't waste all of it but it wastes the vast majority of it i think um there are there have been measures taken to capture it, I think a good example of, of that actually working is in uh, is 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 Gazprom and the Badra field, which is in um, which is uh, in Wasit. Um, they, I mean, you know, they, they're capturing the associated gas, but the vast majority is in the south, and that is still being flared. And that's so Wasit in, in middle the middle Iraq oil company. Yeah, the Midland region. Oil Company. So a Russian company is capturing a small amount of natural gas. Uh, but the vast majority of it is in the south, and, and, the, and the Chinese are also working with them. They, um, but uh, the vast majority, because the vast majority of oil fields are in the south, I mean, it makes sense why the vast majority of associated gas is being flared in the south as well. Um, yeah, so th- there's been incremental um, progress on that front. What I have seen is a lot of progress in the last year and a half. I'd say. Um, Gas has historically been a secondary priority for the oil sector here. Um, but we've seen, um, especially you know, after the events in Basra, the protests last year, and then in the context of rising U.S.-Iran tensions and pressure on Iraq to become more gas uh, independent, um, there, there's been a real push uh, for, ga- for Iraq to develop its own you know, means of acquiring gas. I mean, and, it make, and it makes sense because it's... Millions of dollars, you know, lost into the air. It's terrible for the environment. Plus, it's valuable feedstock that can power plants and provide electricity that's badly needed. So it makes sense um, why they should. It's a, it's a, it's an important project for Iraq, and um, but it's only been recently really that I've seen it being taken very seriously. On well, the electricity issue is, I think, related to, to all this. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break, um, and we'll be right back. American officials might want to pivot to Asia and spend less time thinking about the Middle East. But Middle East policy problems continue to occupy the majority of their time. Syria in particular has confounded policymakers. The Century Foundation's research can resolve some of the confusion. To learn what's happened in Syria and what can be done now, visit the Syria section on the Century Foundation's website, tcf.org. You're listening to the TCF World Podcast. This is the Nasi Kambanis. I'm here in Baghdad with Samia Kulab talking about Iraqi oil. Uh, Samia, b- before the break, uh, we, we were talking about the natural gas and the uh, sort of what does and doesn't exist in, in Iraq's oil infrastructure. Uh, now I want to talk about one of Americans' favorite subjects, which is America. Uh, what, what, is the, uh, <laughs> what is the American role uh, in the Iraqi oil sector and energy sector? Yeah, Ameri- the Americans play a, a fairly important role, actually. So um, ExxonMobil is an operator of one of the biggest oil fields in Iraq, West Gurna 1, producing between 420 and 450,000 barrels a day. Um, it was like 10? So last month, for example, uh, according to Iraq Oil Reports analysis, uh, West Carolina one produced 450,000 barrels. That's out 10% of, of Iraq's 5 capacity. Okay. So um, it's a sizable chunk. And in terms of gas, 
Iraq recently signed a memorandum of understanding with an American consortium uh, led by Honeywell, um, which, if realized, would be extremely important for for um, you know making Iraq more gas independent. Um, basically, processing three hundred million standard cubic feet a day. Uh, so it's it's uh, it would be roughly. Um, it would roughly cut Iraq's current level of flaring by 20%. So that's that would be an incredibly important um, uh, project if it goes forward. In Iraq, an MOU doesn't necessarily mean that a contract will be signed. There's several steps along the way, um, especially financing. Um, but so, so this would be American companies capturing natural gas that would be used for energy production. Would they also build a power plant, or is that is that that's a different thing? It's Where would that natural gas go? Well, that's a, it would process the natural gas. I assume, you know, it would go towards meeting these, like these, you know, electricity. Do stations. they have to build new power plants that that will be fueled by natural gas, or can they retrofit the existing ones to they use natural gas? They need more gas to power plants. I think that it's the question of where is the gas coming from. I don't think it's very, not necessarily a question of you know where to feed that gas. So the U.S. has one big existing contract, uh, the ExxonMobil contract. It has this thing in the works that that is something that I understand has been realized since the Trump administration mm-hmm. took office. Right? That wasn't being discussed before. Mm-hmm. That's something that came into being relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, another one, which is extremely important if it happens, though it's been on the negotiating table for like eight years, is something called the uh, Southern Iraq Integrated Project, the CIIP, um, and that is with ExxonMobil and also uh, PetroChina. So, um, I mean, that's a massive, like, $50 billion project. God, um, the numbers on, on in this business <laughs> are huge. I know, it's kind of insane. But um, if... Now, like it's difficult to say exactly what the parameters of this project will be because it's evolved over the years. But if it were... But but it includes three major elements that are extremely important to to developing Iraq's oil sector. So and they're elements I mentioned bef- before. Um, you know they would be um, improving infrastructure to raise export capacity. Um, it would be um, uh, creating facilities to treat so to to process associated gas, and then it would also be um, you know finding sources of um, um, of, of supplying oil fields with water for reinjection. So it's all uh, improving extraction and ability to bring oil to market and not creating refining capacity. No, I, I don't believe refining capacity is part of that deal unless there, it is. And, and, you know, it, it's a part of a, it's a new addition that, that I'm not aware of, but so, no, as far as so I know. So people ask me this question all the time and I don't have an answer, but now I can ask you and maybe you do. Uh, people say, you know, America invaded Iraq. Everyone said it was about the oil and then they say, why didn't America end up with a bigger role in the oil industry? I mean, 10, 10% is significant, but uh, it seems like other countries like China and Russia and the UK are, are equally involved. So how come post-invasion and occupation, uh, we, we didn't see somehow a larger American role in the Iraqi oil market? I mean, I assume that's something American diplomats ask Iraqi officials these days. <laughs> um, 
I, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not actually sure how to answer that question, to be honest. I mean, did, did, was it just nobody asked or was it the no, Americans think, didn't want to seem unseemly? No, I mean, there, these, these, look, these oil fields aren't just handed to countries. They're not just handed to companies. There's a competitive bidding process for them. They're auctioned off. So I assume that the companies that got these oil fields, you know, had a better, you know, their offer were closer was was closer to what the 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 ministry had in mind. Other oil companies just outbid the American companies. Basically, um, I mean, I always wondered whether part of it was that um, <clears throat> was that the U.S. oil companies weren't as comfortable operating in the uncertainty. I mean, by the way, created by the United States, uh, but the uncertainty of that uh, uh, first period of of two thousand and three to say, well, really two years ago, um, if, if that was part of the factor or if they were bidding on those jobs anyway and just got outbid. All I can say is the process by which these oil fields were, you know, given to companies was based on a bidding process. So either, you know, you have, you have winners and you have losers and it's not necessarily, you know, um, uh, you know, something that's negotiated. It's an interesting outcome. I mean, because the U.S. really didn't, didn't have trouble, you know, acting in unseemly ways in other in other in other respects in, in, in Iraq. Uh, but it does, I mean, you know, certainly now in this particular climate, um, there is a perception among Iraqi officials that I've, that, you know, Iraq Oil Report has spoken to, that when they meet with uh, American diplomats discussing, you know, sanction waivers and things like that, there is a perception that one of the conditions to satisfy an, another sanction waiver or more down the line is to um, sign more contracts with American companies. And are they But this is a perception to... that they have. It's not necessarily a reflection of, you know, what, what, what's going As on. As I understand it, it is U.S. policy. I mean, this is uh, uh, something I hear from the other side, from U.S. officials, that they are actively interested in, you know, in a way that, I find troubling, but anyway, this is the way, this is the, the, the line of American policy is to, is to overtly, and that's why we had these delegations of, you know, the, uh, uh, the U.S. energy minister and others coming here at a time of, of heightened tension to say, if you're willing to do business with us, um, then we will be willing to look more warmly on the other important aspects of our security and economic relationship. And by, and, and, my impression is that Iraq has been willing to discuss this and instead of, I mean, whatever, I guess they don't have a whole lot of choice, but I mean, they could be less cooperative and they've said, okay, let's, let's see whether we can cut this Honeywell uh, contract and make you feel like you're getting the profits you want in Iraq to, to make Iraq worth you supporting. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, not that I'm supporting anyone or, or anything. I mean, you know, I, you know, my opinions of policies completely aside, um, Iraqi officials also tell me it's good for American companies to be working in Iraq. It's good to sign contracts with Exxon. It's good to sign contracts with GE because in a way they're like flag bearers. You know, if they come into this economy, other companies will follow. They don't necessarily have to be American. So it's not about pleasing America. It's about getting the Western investment or foreign investment to... It works in Iraq's favor as well, is what I'm saying. It's not just, you know, they're being forced to to do this. I think that they um, also see the benefit for themselves. All right, we'll be right back. 
What exactly would a progressive foreign policy look like in the Middle East? What can governments do differently and better? Critiques are easy. Providing realistic policy proposals is harder. I'm Michael Wahid Hanna, and with my colleagues and collaborators here at the Century Foundation, we're trying to answer the hard policy questions with specific, concrete proposals. You can see our ideas and join the conversation on our website, tcf.org. I'm Thanasi Kambanis. I'm here in Baghdad with Samia Kulab from the Iraq Oil Report. Uh, we're now, uh, you just brought us into our, our third segment with uh, uh, what you said at the end of, of our last section about uh, about policy and about sort of paving the way for, for global markets. What um, So you said that Iraq sees it in its, in its interest to get these IOCs. Yeah, I picked that. That up. was really well uh, done. <laughs> into into this market. So, what's the what is? I mean, aside from the obvious economic goal of, of maximizing the revenue you can get from oil, what's Iraq's policy goal through its? Uh, what is it trying to accomplish policy wise through its energy sector? I mean, does it use its energy sector and contracts as a way of trying to uh, create a balanced set of foreign powers that are interested in the country? Does it use? Uh, oil contracts as an entry point to negotiate other commercial relations, uh, commercial investment or other policy aims it has. And I have in mind like this recent visit to China where the prime minister went, I guess, with oil people and dozens of other officials to, to sort of use oil as maybe, I mean, I, I'm wondering, was oil the leading edge to get a bunch of stuff that is? Um, I think so insofar as deepening economic cooperation in any sector, you know, kind of sets a nice foundation for cooperation in, 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 on other levels, be it political or social or, you know, developmental or, 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 or whatever. So, um, um, with, with China, I, I mean, Iraqi officials tell me that they like the way the Chinese work, you know, they're sort of, they get things done on time. They are able to finance themselves most of the time. Um, and, and, and they like that kind of efficiency. So they've already seen, um, you know, they're quite happy with their work in oil. And so they're now, you know, cooperating with them, um, through this agreement. Um, the the Chinese are supposed to build schools, um, you know, in terms of, have um, they done it? They haven't done it, but the, the financing for it is secure. It's actually in the 2019 budget. Um, so, you know, that's an example of where cooperation in one level has, re- has led to cooperation in, in, in other level, in, in other sort of sectors. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's the same in, in, you know, for other countries as well. Um, certainly there's a good relationship with the U S because of its participation in the oil sector. We, we haven't talked about the immediate neighboring countries and, and maybe we can talk about Turkey too, but I was wondering Iran and the Arab, uh, peninsula countries, which are, in some sense, you know, share, share some of these fields in some sense are direct competitors. Um, they're, I mean, the, the pathway to market, I presume is all through the you same, mean the, the Gulf, yeah, the yeah. Basra Gulf or so, the Persian Gulf, uh, the Persian Gulf and the Arabian Peninsula. What's yeah. the, uh, what are the legal Persian Gulf, <laughs> Basra Gulf? Um, so what, how does, how does Iraq get along with and work with those with, with, with its immediate neighbors to the so south. So Iraq will say that they talk to everybody. Often when I when I ask them, you know, what's the best way to understand where Iraq um, 
falls in, in light of these increasing tensions, you know, with, 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 with the U.S. and Iran, they'll say, well, we talked to everyone, so we can actually play a really great mediating role. Um, Iraq has an interest in maintaining these export channels. They don't want any kind of disruption to them. Um, and so I think I see them playing a very cooperative role. Um, and I think it's actually in everyone's interest to make sure that um, these channels remain open. Is it a tactical problem that their sort of patch of geography on the Gulf is so tiny compared to everyone else's? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's so tiny and also it's where all the the lion's share of of exports have to have to travel through in order to reach market. Um so it's it's a it's an extremely important little, you know, piece of geography for 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 Iraq. Absolutely. So one 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 complete choke point where everything goes through, not yeah. just oil by the way, right? I mean all the all other... of the goods from uh from uh, Qasr, yeah. So and and is there is there any I mean the, is Iraq at the mercy of of its neighbors in any way i mean or, or is there is it, once they can get it the oil down to their port are they sort of in the clear for for getting it well at the mercy <laughs> i wouldn't use those words but if if there were tensions in that area such that iraq could no longer use it as an export route iraq has no other option and so this when we're talking Kuwait about or or i mean iran we, could easily to, to technically s- speaking to give you some perspective iraq has been prioritizing alternative export routes i mean in the ministry they know that this is an issue they need more flexibility um, especially because this is where all of state revenue comes from i mean it would be absolutely disastrous um if something were to happen um but the projects that I've heard the oil minister, you know, bring up many times, um, they're not. There's no real development on the ground, as far as I know. They exist as like tender documents. So there's the Jordan pipeline that would go from Basra, Haditha, Haditha to Aqaba, and then there's also the um, basically rebuilding the uh, Iraq-Turkey pipeline that was destroyed by ISIS. Um, which Where did from that go from? Kirkuk to Chehan. So the Kurds built an addition to that. Um, so now it goes from like Kurdish controlled territory to uh, Chehan. Um, there's a little bit because of a political agreement um, that is exported from the, nor- the, sta- the federally state owned North Oil Company um, through that through that pipeline, but not enough to sustain you know Iraq's needs. Um, so these are the two main projects that have been under discussion, but there has been no real movement. No, no, no companies have been um, contracted to do it, for example. If that were to happen, then, then you know, that's, a, that's a really important step, but it hasn't. So right now, Iraq depends on the South. Is the Iraqi oil sector a sort of leader in terms of professionalism and, and capacity? I mean, so for, you know, for example, in... Saudi Arabia, where the, you know, my impression certainly is that most sectors can't do anything the, or have no capacity. Uh, the oil sector has capacity. And so like when the, you know, when the government wants to build a university, they bring in the oil company to do it, even though the oil company is an oil company because it's the only state entity that can do things. I don't have that same impression about Iraq, but that's from just 
casual observation. What's There are smart people in the oil ministry. There are very smart technocrats who know what they're doing in the oil ministry. I mean, you know, I talk to them. Um, they, 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 they know what they're talking about for, for sure. Um, and I think the transfer of knowledge that they've experienced over the years from IOCs being here has also improved that. Um, I, I do see capability and growing professionalism. Um, you know, they're, they're, and, and I've seen more of that actually, um, this initiative to make to, for the state to take, um, you know, over operating fields, for example, over doing certain contracts when previously they were held by international oil companies for, you know, and terminated for various reasons. Um, the, the state has sort of stepped in and said, actually, you know, we can do this. Um, so I've seen more of that recently and perhaps that's a sign of an increasing professionalism, um, or a sign of, you know, Iraq wanting to be a little bit more independent in terms of how it manages its sector, how it operates, you know, different projects. There's lots more we could discuss, but we'll just leave it there. Samia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you for having me. PCF World has been brought to you by the Century Foundation a progressive public policy think tank that seeks to foster opportunity, reduce inequality, and promote security at home and abroad. For more information about our work, please visit tcf.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook.